Good evening, everyone. So glad to have you here. Those of you joining us online, I am wearing a shirt because tonight is the night we are cheering for the Wildcats. And uh, tonight is also a reminder because I'm wearing this shirt, we will be out on time. I promise. So, uh, but. Uh, glad to have you here in the room, those of you watching online. Just a couple quick things. Uh, if you happen to be new, uh, we would love to connect with you, and you can do that in a couple different ways. Uh, you could download our free church app. If you just go to your app store, type in Element City Church, uh, and you'll find us. You could download, you can fill out the connection card there, or you could text the word hello to our text number, 520-340-6868. Just type hello, a couple other quick texts, and we'll be walking alongside you for the next couple weeks. I promise you. We won't spam you, but we'd love to, to connect with you. Um, as we get started tonight, uh, every Sunday we pray for the Church of the Week, and I am happy to report that the Church of the Week is us. Like, uh, we're the Church of the Week this week. Uh, someone asked me last week, hey, what is the Church of the Week? Do you guys make that up? Like, no. Uh, like, John 17 Ministries does that. It has like 100 plus churches all around the city. And so we've got 100 plus churches that are praying for us this coming week. And uh, the reason I mention that is uh, I would love to ask and invite you, whether you're online or here, to pray for us. Uh, we have our elders and our board and our staff meeting with uh, Mike, a guy from a church consulting group this coming Friday and Saturday as we are approaching. It's super fun. Uh, next January will be 10 years since Element City Church launched out on its own. And we're just kind of, last year was this year of stabilizing. This year's kind of the year of dreaming. And so we're meeting and kind of having some strategic dreaming sessions and planning and praying into that. So we'd love to invite you to pray with us. We want to follow God into every dream he has for us and chase after that. So, uh, how about we just all pray this Friday, Saturday, for God to kind of bring clarity to that into these next, uh, this next decade. How about that? Um, and uh, we'll chase it together. So glad to have you here again. So uh, as we stand here in the room, and uh, if you're at home, you can stand if you want. But uh, if you're here in the room, I'm going to ask you to stand. Uh, we're going to pray for uh, our time together tonight. Uh, the other quick thing to give you an update on is we've been doing the Ukraine love offering. We've had over $3,000 come in for that. That will get redirected every dollar over to Ukraine. We got to pack. You guys packed 400 uh, first aid kits. You've given donations to that. We're up over 600 between Emmanuel and Elements and Anya's work where she's at and the residents that are there. So 600 first aid kits getting ready to go out in the next week or two. Uh, so pray for those to get in through Poland and get to where they need to go. But your generous hearts have all made that happen. So thank you guys for being a part of that. And uh, yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity for us to be the church. Um, and God, as churches around the city are praying and lifting us up this week, God, we pray for your activity to continue to be loosed in incredible ways in and around this place and in and through our people. God, for those that we're praying for that aren't here yet, God, we want to be a church that brings your hope and your light in a way that allows them to find and to see that Jesus knows their name and he loves them. God, as we worship you tonight, I pray that you would, uh, you would guide our team this week as we continue to lean into strategic planning and dreaming. Uh, God, this is the year of dreaming with you. So would you bring clarity and would you allow us the privilege of chasing those dreams with you? 
Would you allow us the honor of seeing you change life after life after life and to champion each one as we pursue and push people toward discipleship to to really know what it means to be a follower of Jesus that we're going to look at even a little bit more tonight. As we worship you in song, God, our, our heart's attention is in your direction these next few moments. And would you allow your Holy Spirit to stir us in ways that when we leave here, we will have been blessed because we encountered and experienced you. God, would you meet us in a special and in an amazing way tonight, we pray.
eternal spark I call you healer Cause you mend any broken heart I call you faithful father You finish everything you start My soul was made to respond Free. I know you by a thousand.
undeserved mercy there's absolutely nothing that we can do to deserve this we will never be worthy of this kind of love and yet you chose to love us and you've loved us first and we are thankful for the son Jesus Christ who showed this mercy to the broken world but dying on the cross for all of us sinners and today, God, we are still sinners. And we come before you, God. We're thankful of this undeserved mercy. And there is so much to say. You've done so many great things in our lives, God. Can we even count? Can we even count? Till this moment, God, you've blessed us. You've led us. And this is not by accident that some of us are here tonight, Lord. So would you please speak to those hearts who need you. Everyone needs you, God. But there are some hearts here that need you especially. So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you move in the, in the power, in the power that only you can tonight. Through the words of Jack, Lord, we pray that you would anoint him and speak to us that we become more like you, there will be always more of you and less of us, God. So we can start live a life of purpose for your kingdom and for your glory, God. Not just for ourselves, but for others, for this broken world that is so desperate to hear about good news. Lord, give us compassion and love. Change us, God, only the way you can. May we become new. Lord, we worship you tonight with brothers and sisters around the world. We are joining the praise and the worship that is already going on. We are thankful to be a part of this global worship, God. This is so much more bigger than just us here at Element City Church. We are thankful for the privilege to worship you in freedom that we have, God. And may we always remember about those brothers and sisters who do not have such freedom today, God. God, would you encourage your sons and daughters around the world as they fight for their faith, as they fight for this broken world. God, we love you and we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. Amen. <clears throat> so, 
If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark is one of the gospel accounts, biographies, if you will, kind of the life of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And we've been looking in this series, Follow, and, and uh, it's an interesting thing. As you turn there, if you have the app, you can go to sermon notes and actually follow along with everything that's there. And as you are uh, kind of getting there, I wanna, we're going to spend some time in Mark chapter 8 tonight looking at just one reality that uh, Jesus kind of challenges us with. And it's kind of a challenge uh, call that he has for each of us to consider at those times. But I want to get at it with here. Law professor and technology expert Tim Liu claims that there's an underestimated force that drives your daily life, my daily life, our daily life in the West. And it's called convenience. We want nearly everything about our lives to be convenient or efficient or easy. He calls this the most powerful force shaping your individual life and our very economies. Convenience threatens to erase the sort of struggles and challenges that actually help bring and give meaning and significance to life. See, and he has this line, when we let convenience decide everything, we surrender too much. That's something to wrestle with. Jesus did not offer total convenience in following him. He gives numerous benefits. But convenience is not the only thing. In fact, it's really not the thing that Jesus offers. He, he actually calls us to count the cost at times and even to maybe choose to do the inconvenient as we follow after him, knowing that as we follow him, he always has our best interest at heart, but it may not be the easiest path that he calls us to follow. And so there is this challenge in a culture, in a Western kind of sphere of influence where convenience and efficiency is the, the drive that we all have. Listen, I love Pop-Tarts. I mean, can you get a better breakfast in 30 seconds? You can't. Um, I like convenience. I like where we've come. But the reality is convenience sometimes can hold you hostage if that's the only way you make your decisions. And, and Jesus is going to challenge his followers. And so today we're going to kind of look at the fine print of following Jesus. Uh, how many of you have ever signed for a lease on a car or to own a car or to get a house? And like you sign on the dotted line, right? But there are like 45 pages of fine print before you get to where you sign your name. And then you question yourself. You go like, should I read all this stuff? They're like, no, just sign here. Because um, you're like, it's way small print. It's like font, you know, six. I can't even read that small. And, and so you just kind of, well, I guess I'm signing my life away for anyone ever signed for a house. Like, that's when you really feel like you're signing your life away for years. And you're like, man, I, okay. Uh, we did a, a refinance a couple of years ago, or, and, and I remember signing all these things. And, and it's like the stack of papers are this high. And I, I, I'm like, well, oh, here we go. Um, anyone else ever had that here we go moment? Okay, good. Not just me. Um, but the reality is the fine print, and, and Jesus kind of has a fine print discussion, conversation with his earliest followers in, in Mark chapter 8 that I want us to kind of dive into because <clears throat> it is a challenge. 
Now, there are incredible benefits of following Jesus, and that was the challenge we gave out as we started this series, is you don't even have to be a Christian. You don't even have to be a believer in Jesus to actually, he talks about, he wants to give you life into the full. And so actually following Jesus makes the most sense in life, is what he's saying. Uh, but there's going to come a moment where you have to make a decision, and, and maybe it's a little bit more of a challenge for you in that. Am I a fan of Jesus, or am I really a follower? Am I a consumer of Jesus and the benefits that he gives me, and that he brings and he promises, or am I a disciple, someone who's actually training my life and, and kind of apprenticing under him and after him? And so this conversation kind of starts off there in Mark chapter 8. So in Mark chapter 8, here's kind of how it begins. Uh, Jesus is traveling to Caesarea Philippi with his earliest disciples and kind of this group of people. So it's the 12 uh, disciples that when you hear the word disciple, you go, okay, that's the disciples. Uh, but it's also a crowd, right? And so they're kind of traveling along. And into this, he asks this question, hey, who do people say I am? Like there's this buzz about Jesus, uh, he's been on the ministry trail for a, a year plus now in this moment, and there's a lot of buzz. He's done a lot of healings. He's done a lot of teachings. He's done a lot of, a lot of things that have caught the attention of people. That's why there's crowds. And that's why people are kind of captivated by him, following after him. And uh, he begins to say, well, who do people say I am? And then he kind of flips the question, and he begins to say, okay, well, who do you say I am? Which, as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus myself, I think that is the single best and greatest question you will ever wrestle with. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he just a good teacher? Is he just a good moral dude? Is he a healer of some kind? Was he just a humanitarian soul? Or is he something more? And that really is the key question of the scriptures. Who is this Jesus? And so there's lots of benefits that's why there's crowds. People are benefiting from him. And he asks, who, who do people say I am? Okay, who do you say I am? And then in verse 29 of chapter 8, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say, like, you're Elijah. And still others, maybe one of the prophets from the old days. But what about you, verse 29? Who do you say I am? And Peter, you remember Peter? Peter's one of those strong disciples, right? And, and Peter says, you, you're the Messiah. All the Jewish scriptures were, were pointing and kind of a crescendo moving toward the anointed one, the one we've been waiting for. You are him. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. Now, in the Greek uh, understanding, which most of the New Testament is written in Greek, you might come across the title Christ. Uh, some of you thought that was Jesus' last name. It's not. Um, but Christ is the title of what Messiah meant in the Old Testament. So now you know a little Bible trivia. So this idea of Messiah was kind of this Old Testament understanding, this Hebrew understanding. Christ is the same, but it's this idea of a Greek understanding, a Greek title, uh, that you are the Christ. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one Scripture is pointing to. And he says, Peter, you're right. Which is kind of weird if we just stop and pause. Because, like, Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Who do, who do people say I am? And Peter gets the question, like, right. And then Jesus is like, oh, shh, 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 don't tell anybody. Don't you find that a little odd? 
Like, how many of you, when you had the right answer, your teacher would go, hey, good job, right? And they would talk it up. And here, Jesus is a teacher to say, okay, you got the right answer. Whoa, let's just sit on that a little bit because I don't want that to get out for everybody to know quite yet. Verse 31 is why. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's him referring to himself, he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. Jesus knows where the story is going because he's come as the Messiah to fulfill the prophecies. He knows where this is going. And this is where the road's going to turn, and it's not going to be just where the crowds want to hang out because it's going to get real lonely here in a little bit because this is where the road gets really challenging. And so, Peter, you got the answer right. Let's, let's just sit on that for a little bit. And what's fascinating is Peter doesn't like that. See, Peter begins to understand that there's something going on here. Okay, Jesus is teaching them, hey, this is what's going to unfold. This is what's going to happen. And Peter begins to push back against that. What you'll see in your Bible is Peter actually pulls Jesus aside and says, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, uh, this whole death and dying thing, like, you're the Messiah. Like, I was out there when you spoke to waves. Like, the water was coming over the boat, and you spoke to a wave, and it stopped and it became like glass, like nothing I had ever seen. Whoever could speak to the waves is not going to die, Jesus. Like that's not how this story is going to go. And then Jesus, looking at the crowds, looking at the disciples, says to Peter, the line you've heard, get behind me, Satan. You have in your mind the things of man, but not the things of of God. And what begins tension in this moment is Peter's kind of rebuking Jesus. And Jesus flips the table and says, no, no, Peter, you're wrong. And you're trying to detour me away from where I'm heading. And I will not let you. And so you have a seat. And then he kind of calls the crowds around him. And he kind of has this DTR conversation with the crowds that have been growing with him and, and actually with his 12 disciples at the same time. Peter, you don't have in mind the things and concerns of God. You have your concerns. See, a consumer is in it for what they can get out of it. But a follower, a follower is in it for what, following the one who's leading and what they want to get out of it. And Jesus begins challenging his earliest disciples. Okay, you've been, Peter, everybody knows you. And I know this has been an incredible ride for you. But Peter, you're not going to stop where this train is going. And this is the tough part. This is actually where it's going to get challenging. And I need to know that you're not just a consumer of the benefits that you've been getting, but that you're actually in to follow when I take you to places that are unpleasant and not convenient. Will you follow me there, Peter? 
And that's the conversation he begins having with his earliest disciples. Peter, you're concerned about not what, about what's going to happen to me. You're concerned about what's going to happen to you when this happens to me. See, that's a consumer mindset. A consumer's in it for just about what they have and the impact. And then he calls the crowd, verse 34, calls the crowd among them with his disciples. So disciples sit front row. Then the crowd come, comes around, and here's what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to be my follower, wants to be my disciple, wants to be the person who follows after me, not just for the benefits that I'm giving and the life I've called you to, but I, I may lead you down some paths that are going to be challenging. If you want to be my follower, well, then you're going to have to learn to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my follower, not just a Jesus consumer. Well, I like to follow Jesus because it's cool. I like to obey Jesus because I'm a better person. My marriage is better off. My family's better off when I follow after Jesus. And there's some huge benefits to that. Okay, yes, that's true. Uh, but what about when the journey gets challenging? Are, are you a fan? Or are you a follower? And there becomes the challenge. From time to time, Jesus is saying, you're going to find yourself in situations where you're going to have to deny yourself in order to keep pursuing me. And I want to know if you're in it. And Jesus is kind of having this DTR kind of relationship to find the relationship. Uh, see, you understand denying yourself. How many of you have ever been out to eat? Okay, that's everybody. Uh, you've been out to eat, then they come to you, and they're like, hey, would you like dessert? How many of you have ever said no? Some of you have said yes, and it's awesome when you say yes, isn't it? But sometimes, occasionally, when you've kind of choked down the 32-ounce steak, you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't. Um, and so, like, you push it back, right? And you go, no, I don't need dessert. Like, I need to have something. So you understand this denying yourself kind of thing. You understand this idea of concept of trying to choose what's best over what's pleasant. And maybe even what's challenging, because it is for your betterment, over what's convenient. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be some moments where there's going to be forks in the road or crossroads or intersections where what I want for you and what you want for you are going to be different. And in that moment, will you decide to follow yourself or follow me? See, I'm asking you to follow me, and there's a lot of benefits that come with that. But at certain crossroads and intersections in life, I'm going to ask you to choose. And we're going to be opposing uh, opposition or tension in that moment. And what will you choose then? If you decide to be a follower, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to say no to you in order to say yes to me. And are you willing to do that in the small ways and over time in the medium ways, and over time in the larger ways. I'll be on this journey with you, but when that happens, will you take up your cross and follow me? What's interesting is, see, in the first century world, we say the word cross, and we think jewelry, 
We think of a plaque that hangs on your wall when you were growing up, a picture of it. You may even have seen a movie about someone on a cross and there was dramatic music underneath it and it kind of hid the emotion. But the reality is in a first century world, when you said that, people knew exactly what you were talking about. They smelled death because Romans would crucify people and leave them up for a long time. Why? As a deterrent to say, don't mess with mighty Rome. This is what awaits you if you mess with us. And so people in the first century world, when Jesus is saying this, then they knew this is challenging. This isn't like, okay, it's going to, like, it's tough in that moment. And I think this is where some people go, ooh, I'm going to tap out. It's been fun following you, Jesus. Big fan, big fan. But cross, death, denying, suffering, I'm not really down for that. I'm all about convenience. And so challenge is not something I really want to pursue. You've fed everybody, and that's awesome. And I enjoyed that myself. But I don't know if, if I got what it takes to go there. But see, Jesus continues in this conversation. And he reads on, verse 35. He says, uh, whoever wants to save their life, how many of you want to save your life? Well, that would have been everybody. That's everybody in this room. I want to save my life. It's why you eat. It's why you exercise. It's why you take care of yourself. It's why you go get medical checkups. Like, you want to save your life. Like, everybody in here is motivated to save your life, to do what it takes to do that. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, they'll actually save it. Jesus is the one who said this. And Jesus is saying anyone who's considering kind of trying to save your life, and we live in a world where people spend so much energy, so much money, so much time trying to save their life and to build the kind of life they want. And Jesus says, you can do that, but in the end, you're actually going to lose because you can't take any of it with you. And you might acquire and achieve a whole bunch of stuff, and you may make a life that is wonderful, and you enjoyed it, but in the end, where does it take you? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, Jesus is saying, then you'll save it. I know this might be a little scary. I know this might be a little bit hard. See, we talked about following Jesus and Matthew followed Jesus and it was easy and it was simple and it was complicated a little bit, but then it, it kind of go and then this crowd is growing and the ministry's growing and it's easy because following Jesus is fun in a lot of ways. And following Jesus has tons of benefits, but there are certain times where the crossroads, the forks in the road and the intersections happen and, and that's when it becomes a little challenging. And Jesus is having this conversation with his earliest disciples. And then he goes into these questions. Maybe you've heard these questions before. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? I mean, what good is it if you gain the whole entire world, everything you've ever wanted? When you look at her, she's just got this amazing life. And you look at him, and he's got this amazing life. And they've gained it all. And yet, in the end, they forfeit their soul. It means they have to pay. They have to give up. They have to trade in. They lose it. What happens then? 
And maybe you're a person who's going through the reality of, okay, I'm trying to build this kind of life for myself. Maybe you're the person who says, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in the end, do we lose it? There's some people in our world that, that believe this is the only life you got. And when you get to the end and, and it's over and the lights turn out, that's it. There's nothing after that. Uh, the Sadducees were uh, Jewish leaders of the day, and that's the vantage point and viewpoint that they took. That you get this one life to enjoy God and to enjoy yourself, and, and then when the lights go out, that's it. You're done. There's no reincarnation. There's no nothing after. It's just, you're done. That's it. That's why you're, they're sad, you see. Because they don't believe in something after that. 97% of Americans, Christian or not, believe there's something after. Are 97% of us wrong? Jesus comes along and says, no, no, see, the Old Testament maybe had inklings to what specifics happened after death, but Jesus believes in the afterlife. He actually teaches a lot about it. And he calls people to consider the reality of not just this reality, but the reality to come. And he says, you got to take thought of that because it is a reality and you need to consider that. He comes along, he believed in the afterlife and, and he began pointing people to it. See, what if you gain the whole world and yet you end up at the end forfeiting your soul? Or, or what can you give in exchange for your life? Look at it from a different perspective. You get to the very end of your life, Jesus is saying. You get to the very end, you've acquired a lot of stuff, you've got an awesome life, and then like an angel visits you, it's just hypothetical, an angel visits you and says, listen, you're gonna die tomorrow. And what do you got? What would you give in that moment to get your life back or to have a life to come? What would you give in that moment? Well, I know what you'd give. I know what I'd give. I'd give everything. There isn't a valuable thing on this planet. There isn't a relationship that would matter more than your very soul. And I bet you'd feel the same way. So Jesus is saying, hey, what if you gain everything and yet you forfeit your soul? What, if, what would you trade in order to save your soul? And in that moment, he's answering both these questions. What good is it if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? Well, it's no good. And what would you give to exchange at the end for your soul? Well, you'd give everything. And so this tension that you're feeling, this cost that seems like it's going to be an inconvenience, and Jesus is saying, no, no, in the end, it's all gone anyway. Unless you'll lose your life for me and the gospel. And then you'll gain it all. See, if you just try to do it your own, you're going to end up forfeiting it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll, you'll find it. You'll actually begin to experience the life that you were really created and intended to experience in a relationship with our Creator. That's what Jesus is striving to, this remarkable, life-changing, redefining discovery in that moment of people who are wrestling with, is it worth following Jesus? That's what they're wrestling with. 
uh, it's worth it when the benefits are there, but when the challenges are there, I don't know if it's worth it, Jesus. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe you're in college, and you're like, I don't know. Maybe I should just wait till I'm 60 and then make this decision because life's kind of fun. I'll just do what I want. Sure, you could do that. A lot of people have tried. A lot of people have experienced a lot of fun for a while. But my hunch is if you were to really honestly talk with people who have achieved, who've acquired, who've arrived in what the world says, my hunch is you might find yourself talking to a person that still has a hollow ache, that they don't quite have enough. And what do they need? Just a little bit more. And I think what Jesus was saying is, no, no, you're going to end up forfeiting all that. And then maybe the most challenging verse, verse 38, here's what he says. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Jesus is not only looking at his death to come and his resurrection, but he's actually fast-forwarding to the second coming of when he comes back, of which he promised he would. And into that moment, what he's really saying in a positive sense is if you acknowledge me here and now, then I'm going to acknowledge you there and then. If you choose me in the here and now, I'm going to choose you in the there and then. And you're going to actually, if you lose your life for me, not martyrdom necessarily, but for some in the world, it has been that. But if you'll give up your life and choose me, if you'll follow me, then you'll actually find the life. You'll experience the life you really want. Now, what's fascinating is that the very front row of this is who? The disciples. And the crowd, right? That's who Jesus is teaching to in this moment. We have to remember that. So who's front and center? Peter is. The Peter who had just taken Jesus aside a few minutes earlier said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking like heavy stuff. <laughs> We're enjoying the fun Jesus, like the miracle Jesus. Can we go back to that? This is the challenging Jesus. We don't like it. I don't think this is going to get us the crowds, Jesus. Jesus said, no, no. See, the crowds have to go to a place where they have to make a decision, and I'm actually heading to a place. And so, Peter, you need to sit down. See, Peter, the challenge is coming. And I need to know that you're not just a consumer, but that you're a follower. And this is the Jesus. This is the Peter who would say to Jesus, I'm never going to abandon you. This is the Peter who would quote the words of Rick Astley in his song, never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around and desert you. And then, a few weeks later, a middle school girl says to Peter, hey, aren't you one of those followers of Jesus? No, I don't even know him. Rooster crows. He runs out weeping. I'm never going to abandon you, Jesus. A middle school girl challenged him, and he denied even knowing him. I spent three years with him, and I denied even knowing him. That's what Peter would say. 
And what did Jesus do to Peter after the resurrection? Did he kick him out of the group? No. You know what Jesus did? He searched him out. He found him. He restored him. And he put him in charge of the church. Do you know how Peter died? Years later, Peter hung on a cross upside down for his faith in Jesus. Why? Because he saw a resurrected Savior. Not because he had a history lesson, but because the guy he followed got back up from the dead and said, I am who I say I am. Will you follow me now? And he hung on a cross upside down because he didn't want to be considered worthy enough to die the same way his Savior did. So hang me upside down. That's faith. That's following on a radical level. You're probably not going to be asked to do that. Thank goodness. But when it's not convenient... And Jesus still says to you and to me, hey, will you follow me? Will you follow me with your finances? Hey, will you follow me in the way that you relate to people? Will you follow me with your boss that I know you struggle with? But will you follow me and love them and let them lead in a way? And you can try to lead up and try to help. But will you follow me in those moments? Will you follow me in the, the challenging moments that are not convenient? It's not convenient to stop and to help people. It's not convenient. Why? It messes up your agenda. It, it takes your resources. But when Jesus says, hey, will you follow me here? I, I want to show some love with this person, and I've actually crossed your path at this particular time, and would you partner with me to love them well? No, Jesus, I'm just about convenience. I like the benefits of following Jesus. Okay. Then we'll try it again tomorrow. I think that's what Jesus says all the time, kind of challenging us, challenging me, challenging you to say, will you follow even when it's not convenient? See, here's the moral of the story. Salvation is free. It costs you nothing. But following Jesus with your lifestyle and following Christ in this life and following Christ in the sinful and broken world is eventually going to cost you something. And are you willing to keep following when it does. It may not be every day, it may not be every year, it may not be every season, but when that day comes and it's inconvenient or your friends are doing this and you could go, you have two choices. You can go along and do it, but you know that's not the best for you. Will you deny yourself in order to choose Jesus in the best way forward. That's what it means to be a disciple. See, a disciple is someone who, who knows and loves Jesus, is being changed by him, and is committed to his mission and following him forward in those everyday decision moments of life. The church of this generation has enough fans. We don't need more fans. What we need is followers of Jesus 
who are willing to follow, who deny themselves at times in order to follow their Savior who is leading them forward. That you and I get to tell the story. Your whole life is going to be a story. You know that, right? Your life, you tell stories now of your life 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Your whole life is going to be a story. So what story do you want to tell? Because you will tell it. Oh, I got to that place where Jesus was asking me to do this, and I was like, eee, nah. And so I just did what the culture says, and I played along that way. You could tell that story. Do you want to? Or would it be more fun to actually say, man, I got to that place and that decision, that was a tough decision. And Jesus, I know he's kind of teaching and saying this, and I was like, well, I could do this. It seems a lot more fun, but I'm going to do this because he's calling me to do this. And then you begin to hear their stories and the ripple effect of the impact it has upon people when you choose to follow him, even in the challenging moments. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. But I don't know a better path, friend. I know a lot of people who have tried the other path and it's left them wanting for something more. I don't know anybody that's tried the path of following Jesus that didn't say, hey, it was hard at times. But I don't know anybody that hasn't come to a place where they said, but it was worth it. It was worth it. That's the story I want to tell. You will tell a story. So what story do you want to tell? In the long run, you're going to find defining moments around the corner. And in that moment, where Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to follow me here. You can say no, but I think he would say, it's worth it to keep saying yes. In the crowd that day, there were a lot of people when Jesus is having this teaching, pretty challenging teaching, if we're honest. If you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me in the gospel, you'll, you'll find it. You don't want to forfeit your soul. Of all the people in the crowd that heard that message today, do you remember any of them? Does history write about any of them? Yeah. Peter, James, John, the apostles, the people who said, this is tough, Jesus, but I'll choose to keep following. Those are the ones history writes about. Everybody else, you don't even know their name. You don't know. That was the story that would tell. See, salvation is free. It won't cost you anything. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus has provided a way through his life, his death, his resurrection for us to have a right relationship with God, not based on your merit or what your works are or how much you try to appease a holy and perfect God. You don't have to. Stop trying. Just receive grace. See, salvation is free. But following Jesus will have a cost to it. Refusing to follow Jesus 
will actually cost you a lot more. And you'll end up forfeiting in the end. And you'll be the one who misses out. So here's the words of Jesus to close with. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will actually save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit the soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with his holy angels. Father, that's a tough teaching. It's not easy. But thank you for preserving this conversation between your son and his followers. Thank you for preserving it so we could wrestle with it and it can wrestle with us. I pray for college students that are in the middle of which way do I go in life? For high school students that face a culture that could really care less about you, God, or anything related to you for the businessman, the businesswoman who works in a culture where your name is rarely used in a positive way. That you give them eyes to see, courage to choose to follow, even when the, the road gets a little more narrow, even when the road gets a little more challenging. Each of us, Lord, would you help us to remember the benefits that you've come to give us life and life to the full. And there's a ton of benefits with that but you also call us to count the cost. And is it worth it? You say it is. Now, we don't have to forfeit our soul because you provided a way to save our soul. And you've called us to follow you and you promised to walk this life and you've promised to carry us into the next through your grace. All relationships have a cost to them, but the good ones always have a reward. Jesus, you are our reward. And so I don't know where this sermon hits different people. There isn't a takeaway from it that's going to hit for everybody because we're all in a different place. But as we prepare to sing this next song, as we close and go about our evening in the week ahead, Spirit, would you speak into our hearts, maybe to, to call us to choose to follow even when the road becomes a little more narrow or the, it becomes a little more uphill, becomes a little more challenging. All we have, God, or the best we know how in this moment, would we choose to follow you, to tell the story of the decisions we made in the moments we were in, to choose you and your best,
It's our heart's desire, God, that we would just give it all to you. We want to be people who live for your story and not just our own little stories, God. So often we get caught up in the things that we need to do, the things we want to do, the tyranny of the urgent, and we miss the bigger picture, Jesus, of what it is that you're actually doing and how we could join you in that and live the abundant life as a result of it. So Lord, would you help us not to settle for good enough? Would you help us not to settle for just being a consumer of you, being a fan of you? Lead us to the place where we can be followers of you, where we have opportunities to show that what we're singing in this moment uh, is really what we believe, that you can have it all, that we're willing to lay down and sacrifice what we have to in order to follow after you. We'll only be able to do that by the grace of your Holy Spirit. So would you fill us freshly to do your will, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, real quickly, before we uh, get out of here, uh, I know there's a game that's about to happen. We all know. We're excited for that. So a couple things uh, before you go. If you uh, are one of our partners and give to us, you probably know by now we've got the boxes in the back, those metal boxes. Um, but if this is your first time here and you're interested in doing that, you can always do that. You can also go into the app. Uh, most of our people give that way electronically these days anyway. Um, Jack mentioned at the beginning the Ukraine love offering. Everyone else is sat down, you guys in the front, you guys can sit. It's kind of awkward, I know, I know. You're welcome, just helping out. So uh, the Ukraine uh, love offering has uh continuing to go on. This will be our last week, so we'll have the bucket up front here. And like Jack said, we were able to assemble over 400 bags on Tuesday night, which is amazing. We've got another event that's in the works, uh, hopefully in a, a couple weeks, so you can continue to give toward that. So next week, we've got our after party that's going on. We're going to have TVs out there so that we can uh, be watching the basketball. We'll have some food trucks and all of that, so be excited for that. We'll have a little bit of a shortened service so that we can do that as well. Um, and then again, if you're new, we've got the 10-minute party in the back. Jack would love to meet you back there. Karen, one of our board members, she's back there too. And they have the best kettle corn. Say it with me. South of the Grand Canyon. It's back there. It's waiting for you. That's right. I love it. You guys are right there with me. So uh, make sure that you do that. And then lastly, uh, a group of folks are going to dinner tonight at Cereal Grillers. So make sure you join us if you're hungry, want to get some food. The Cereal Grillers, it's up on Speedway. Uh, we'll be able to, to eat there. And uh, they've got a lot of TVs. So I'm just saying, bear down. So let's all stand. And uh, actually, yeah, stand and get out of here. I already prayed. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.